Today we're talking about the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It's religion in D&D. Welcome to We Speak Common. Uh, My chair is very... That's a good chair. I think we should start the podcast with that. You alright there, Joe? Is this one also... Are you going to swap chairs? I think I'm going to swap chairs. Go on then, then, swap chairs. I think I'm going to swap chairs. We've started now. This is the start of the podcast. This is the start yeah. of the podcast. Uh, hello, welcome to episode 17, I think. Um, Joe's just swapping his chair out. Uh, we um, are we're purely... We're not a professional outfit, mate, okay? Well, we... no, we are, though, because, you know, well, we're in a studio. Is that what professional means? I, I mean, it's what I think professional means. I mean, some people would say professional means you make money from what you do, but we don't do that, so... No. No, this is not for profit. No. It is episode 17, I've just checked. Right, well, are you set now? you got a good chair? I'm good, mate. I'm ready okay. to go. How are you? You all <laughs> I'm right? I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Half asleep, but okay. Half asleep, yep, yep. Yeah. All right. How are you, Ben? Yeah, I'm all right. Just, um... Just the usual, really. Yeah. Yeah. Not bad at all. Been a little while, wasn't it? Well, I mean, it's been it's been two weeks. Well, we had like a same amount of time it's always been. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it feels like a while because we had a very intense amount of D and D in like a short space of oh time. Oh my god, we did. So we came off of Christmas, and we did. Um, it was like two or three games, like right back to we back. We had like a full on, like a full day game with James for his birthday, and then we played, the which next was like it's like easily seven hours, and then the next day we did. Like six hours. Like six hours of of my campaign, and then we were gonna do we were gonna do another day after that, weren't we? Yeah, I don't think and that one happened. Apart, no. But then we planned some more sessions, like the one we're gonna play today as well. So there was a lot of D and D in the air around. Yeah, that it time. feels weird because it feels like we did a lot, and now we've sort of fizzled out. But um, but we, really we haven't. It was quite a shock, you know, from us playing sort of like once a year before. So. <laughs> Like maybe like twice a month, we we were probably doing like fortnightly games, I reckon. Yeah. So yeah. no, but that was good. That was good. But well, we've got that'll continue because I mean I'm I'm optimistic. We've got a session today, which is the start of a bi-weekly session, which I've realised is going to coincide with the weeks that we record our podcast, which works out. So there's like really no reason why that won't keep going, and then True. the rest will just chuck on as they chuck on. Yeah, truck on. But you say that like we like have a, they do actually truck on. They don't. Like yeah, we no, have a reasonable pe- group who responds to messages and. But the thing is, such. after today, we can we we're in we're in our right minds to ask them when the next session is. So it's fine. Mm. I mean, put it this way, then one of our players, yeah, was not responding to the chat. So I then phoned them, and they said, "Oh yeah, yeah, those messages. I saw those. I'm like, well, are you gonna? When was that?" This was Wesley when we were trying to. Oh, right, bless right. his heart. I was like, you, yeah. You're you going to look at them then or, <laughs> or not? Yeah. <sighs> well, I mean, to, in his defence, we did invite him to a special one off game. Um, <laughs> turns out we, we didn't put him in the group chat. So he sort of knew about it from word of mouth, that- but didn't know it was happening because he wasn't in the group chat. Look, these things happen. Okay, we just got to move on from them. <laughs> that's, I think that's the worst one we've ever done. Is just not include someone, but think they're in there. Well, speaking of moving on, Ben. Uh, yeah, let's leave that segue. That's that's last year. This year is a whole new year. Yes. So, the topic of today's conversation is going to be uh, religion in D and D. Yeah. Because so, I think this is kind of interesting. It's something I've been focusing on a lot in my campaign. Not just religion, but kind of culture and sort of different doctrines that shape the society of your different races and empires and stuff like that in your game Mm. and so i'm just i guess i'll just sort of ask you for how do you kind of handle religion in your game because it's it's pretty different to obviously like real world religion i think the biggest difference being that real world religion regardless of which one you're talking about they're all based on faith, right? That's yeah. The whole the whole foundation is a faith in this thing, right? This um, idea. Whereas in in D you don't really need faith because the evidence is there. You can go to a like a temple and watch a, a cleric literally bring your friend back from the dead. You don't, yeah. It, the the evidence <laughs> is in front of you. Yeah, it's not a question of faith. At so all. that so that kind of changes things a little bit. So how do you go about putting gods and such in your game? So it's I've done it a few a few different ways. Um, when I th- first started, I used the 
the Forgotten Realms like pantheon because there is a, a whole load of gods in there that you can use and they've all got different things you know Timora is luck and so and so is so and so and so and so and so and so um, so I've used that kind of system where mm. I've just had names and and I just and I haven't really built into it in depthly and I've just had it crop up and you know it's like oh we need a cleric oh this cleric's a cleric of Flixbury page finds a name so and so of something and I've done it that way um, but then when I created the world that we're in now the mm. game that we play now um, whenever we get the chance to I specifically for um for story reasons but also because i wanted it to be open so that it could go this far i wanted the gods to not be these omnipotent and almighty and never-ending beings i didn't want them to be this paradoxical thing where there is no beginning and end they just exist because that in a world where you can explain magic Mm. and and firearms and hippo creatures and cat people why can you not explain something that has no beginning and no end so the gods in my current campaign are all beings that have ascended to a higher level uh, to a point where their life is extended their powers are exaggerated and they become godlike they become gods so something like a um like a like out of uh Tamophos or like a, a Leviathan or something like that could potentially be like a god in yeah. your world if it if it, it became so you know powerful beyond measure basically. Yeah, like I like the idea that a um a absolutely balmy off of his nut wizard who got to twentieth level became a lich and then spent his millennia of years as a as a demi lich floating around the, the plains trying to work out how to ascend to godhood could eventually become a god because he's he spent so much time and lost so much of himself and become otherworldly he's no longer a human he's this creature that is if essentially something ethereal and, and beyond the, the veil of mortal um so i've i've sort of got it built up that once you know once the god is there and they're a god it's going to take something massive to dethrone them and get rid of them but it also means that gods can die and that religion and faith or or cults if you want to look at it that way they all change and they 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 sort of rotate over time um you could so in that way then they're kind of like um sort of norse gods in a way where where they're very fallible and Mm. very uh kind of a uh, material in a way they're not like these sort of ethereal beings they're, yeah. m- they're much more just like they don't exist f- in the world they, no. they they still exist out in their own planes and they still because they, yeah. they are, are otherworldly they're not going to be walking around the street but they they have this material quality to them so i mean you might come across a, a cult who dedicates itself to a god that died hundreds of years ago but that god existed and that god did things and so they still worship it and there's a question of of whether they're worshiping it keeps the god going that idea that you know you die twice once when you die and then the second time when you're forgotten if he's still being remembered does his name still have power that kind of thing mm. um and i i like to utilize some of the gods that pre-exist so i will use some of the forgotten realms gods and i'll like i, I might want to throw in tiamat because tiamat is such an iconic goddess creature dragon thing mm. i might want to throw her in there but i also like to put in a few of my own so for example my world um has a, a, a history to the gods which is basically that they created the earth they created the the material plane um, and they were the first beings to to reach that state of otherworldly immortal being um and then there was a war and that's how the good gods and the bad gods became a thing and how you had sides and and like a like a a split and without going into too much detail it sort of goes on for years and years and years so the gods that originally began are long forgotten and dead but their story is still known and now you're in a point where you've got gods that you might recognize like Timora or Tiamat or whoever but you've also got these new ones that are cropping up or you've got these devas that are trying to ascend to godhood or you've got demons who want to overthrow some form of of god and and take control and i have so kind of like a a real world analogy then that those sort of gods as opposed to like you say sort of 
the intangible ethereal type idea mm. of a god these more kind of real people who are actually there at some point mm. right um uh, but then have obviously amassed this huge following sort mm. of ascending them to godhood i guess the real world analogy would be like prophet muhammad or jesus christ yeah, or something or like, like that or, yeah. yeah that kind of thing or like the buddha himself kind of thing mm-hmm. um yeah and i i still have the gods feel like if you're walking around and you're a you're an everyday person you're still going to think that a god is is an, an unstoppable force mm. because they're meant to feel that way i don't want it to be that well, this, this like a level 20 character could go and overthrow them for, yeah well this know. makes me in, interesting from a player's perspective because then i think like okay if the god's dead mm. and he's a tangible person how do the clerics get their spells then every day well, that's the thing so then then in my mind it's like just when a god dies they have to be replaced by something because they're such a, a weaved in part of the weave or the or the universe or the planes or whatever you, however you want to explain it mm. because they are so fundamental to the the uh what's the word the foundations of the universe because they created it mm. there needs to be that there can't there has some, something has to fill that void so if you go up there and you go do you know what i don't like that you're the god of luck, Timora. I don't know why she's in my head. She's just my example. I don't. I don't know. I don't like what you're doing. I think you could be doing more. I'm going to oust you and goes through whatever the process is to get rid of her and then takes her place. She then, or he then, whoever takes over, becomes the figurehead of luck in the universe and will have the abilities of of Timora and and have control of that part of her world, um, of of the mm. world. And I I kind of play on that because. In the history that I've written, they're like they're, like I said, I've still got some of the gods from the realm. So I've got like one of the really important ones is I've got like the god of of the true true law and order, who um, I always forget. I never know how to pronounce his name. It's like Mechanic, <laughs> and he, he uh, excellent the Modron the Modron's guy. He um, he's he's like the god of all of law. So he he's the one who wrote the celestial contracts to stop the fight between the the forces of of good and evil when when the god wars happened um if someone went and overthrew him for example they suddenly have control of all celestial contracts so that would be really bad because Mm. someone could decide that i mean at any if if you decide you want to take over you're clearly not a neutral party Mm. so so it's like it's yeah that it's very much that's kind of very much sort of um Norse mythology in a way where it's like um, you have this big kind of tapestry of history of of gods doing things and stories and this like sort of interwoven family rivalry of gods you know warring and fighting amongst each other and all these stories to be told and then after that you have you know kind of like the Viking migration or like the now day in D&D like present time where you've got you know, just kind of remnants of of a past history. You know, what I mean that people are still clinging to and, and bits and pieces. It, but it's interesting that like it actually happened. You know, what I mean, or it happened mm. there. Which well, I mean, is there will cool. there will still be people that that don't believe in all of it. Yeah, because you're all, you're always going to have someone who who is like, well, I can't see that. I don't see where that. I don't see proof of that. So I'm not going to believe it because you can only see so far back in history. I mean, look at in the real world, we can only assume what dinosaurs look like. We don't know for sure. Yeah. And we're constantly changing how they look. Um, so it's it's kind of like that. And there there will be people who, who don't believe that the God Wars happened and that it's just a story. But it, I mean, it did happen. I mean, spoiler alert, it did happen. That it happened. Um, but it's 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 kind of that thing where I want them to be an all powerful being, but I want them to be, and I want them to be godly, but I want them not to be cemented, and I want them to have consequences. Um, and I also always wanted there to be more than one. I never liked the idea in a world so rich and full of race and and color and people that you you have just one god. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of this. That, I mean, you don't see that a lot in D anD D anyway. But I've seen it in a couple of things. Um, and I, I like the ability to to have, like, to pick and choose the god you want uh, at any time. Time. And I, th- I like that the players can do that as well. They, I mean, fundamentally, there's not going to be that much difference. in if you go, hmm, I really, I need, I need some, I need, I need a prayer. Like, I just need someone to listen to me. Do I talk to her or him or him? Like, that's not going to make that much difference. It's going to make a difference when you're going. Okay, I need something from them. 
who will help me who's going to want something in return you know they're they're a bartering force they're they're not just omnipotent they're going to want things they're going to constantly be living and mm. that's kind of the feel that i go for it's interesting i mean the way i first approached the gods and stuff in my game was when i was sort of building the foundations of the world i had to think well what what makes up each of these societies and things like that and the sort of the two pillars of of foundation i came to was the characteristics of the race itself or what who makes up the society so for instance uh like an elvish society is going to be a lot different from a human one because because they live for so long that just that there, there are so many ramifications for living for a really long time that changes how the world would actually work for like for elves right um like they're not going to be very rash to make decisions and things like that and then i thought well, what's the other foundation going to be that when well, that's going to be religion that's what's going to make up so those two things are going to shape society like the biological um inherent traits of the race and the religion they follow and its its doctrines and so for instance with like the human um society which is relatively new in, in the grand scheme of things in the history of my world like the humans have been around for a long long time but they've only really had their own society for like for like 500 years something like that mm. before that they were quite oppressed before that and so their religion is quite new and so when I was building their religion I knew I wanted it to be like a pantheon of gods but I didn't want them I, I still wanted them to be have kind of like the etherealness and the I suppose like inherent vagueness of like a like a monotheo culture mm-hmm. god um like christianity or something like that and so i made each of these gods a bit more aloof they're not characters like one of my other religions which is more based on kind of shinto and norse mythology where each character is very defined like you know what thor is like right mm-hmm. the stories tell you exactly what thor is like whereas Christianity is is a bit more it's more like the tenets of it like it tells you how to live you know yeah. like Norse like gods commandments. Norse gods don't really tell you how to live so much it's like well, if you want to get into Valhalla you know you better go out fighting and stuff like that but other than that it doesn't tell you you know how to live your life whereas these gods do and so I was seeing my I wanted the culture to be this human culture to be my reference point was sort of uh, medieval uh, England and France yeah um and with this kind of uh so i was thinking well, what's that going to look like i'm like well everyone's going to kind of speak latin ish um and what are the tenants of that and i wanted like the christianity tenants because i wanted to have a very class-based um generally oppressive society for a, a lot of different people like women don't really have a good time in the no. english <laughs> empire they do if they, they're rich but other than that it's not brilliant for them um other races other than humans really don't have, have a good time um and there are lots of different analogies like druids get hunted like witches do in medieval England, you know. Mm. And so I wanted the gods to reflect that. And so I, whilst I was doing this, like like you say before, like you have to, you can understand magic and stuff like that. So you have to understand the gods. And me as a DM, I have to understand everything. You every, have to understand everything. I have to understand everything. It's just the way I plan. You have, like, to have an answer. I can't have like unknowns in my head because I, I build on top of everything else. So yeah. if I don't know what come before, it's, it's no good. I can't plan anymore. And so when I start mixing in multiple religions, because I thought the unique part of my homebrew world, I think it's going to be, is that each culture has its own religion distinct from the rest, and how do they clash or mix, right? Like, how do you um, kind of uh, accept these multiple different cultures? Like, in real life, like, how do, like, Christians and like Islamists accept each other? Well, they don't. They have crusades, basically, <laughs> is, what, is what happens. So, and that's... But some, perhaps some religions do uh, integrate better uh, um, um, and together, or you can find a kind of find some through lines between them and um, different tenants that line up. And so I always wanted this question of like, when the players are going through and they're, and they're getting introduced to all these different cultures and religions and these different tenants, like, is this just all part of the same thing? Are they distinctly separate? Are some of these gods even real? Because, is spoiler alert, they're not all real. <laughs> they're not all real, and they're not—they're not all of the same 
level of importance or the same power level yeah. or have you like you say like there's a hierarchy you know like you go off into some weird wood and there's like a, a druid worshipping like um, the mountain or whatever you know um, oh, from Game of Thrones the, <laughs> <laughs> the mountain itself is not going to be uh, quite on the same level as like the sun the Jesus of the world <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. it's like there's going to be different levels like some you know these goblins might worship like a T-Rex that's knocking about the forest you know that's that's their god so there there are different levels but it all I like that I like that there's a group of goblins that is I've like, ri- it's written down in canon are they are they you should make them um the goblins from from Chult the big the what are they called something like that and they stand on each other's shoulders yeah, there is yeah. a place in my world full of dinosaurs and <gasps> there are some goblins there that work. When are we getting there? That sounds like fun. One day, one day. I like that. Um, but, so this is my idea and so I used... I, I When I think about the religion now, I think less about the gods themselves and more about the philosophy behind it, mm-hmm. right? For instance, there's a, I came up with a, this religion called like cosmicism right and it's basically what the monks follow like yeah. a lot of the monks if you're a monk class generally you you have this and it's less a religion about follow this is specific gods these are its tenants these are the sins that you've got to avoid it's less about okay this is the pantheon of like norse style gods or like greek gods and they there are lessons to be learned from them and they represent different human characteristics like because like the old Norse stories and stuff like that, these stories are just human tales um, distilled down to their like basic elements yeah. in a more fantastical setting. Yeah, um, that's what makes these stories resonate with people so much because they are they are basically inherent tales of ourselves, and you know finding sort of that balance between like order and chaos and where is the meaning and stuff like that, which all these sort of religious tales kind of come down to it their core elements it, it was less about that and this this new religion that these monks follow was I kind of wanted it to just be about enlightenment and I was like well, what is enlightenment I was like well I guess I better go go and google that <laughs> oh yeah and, that's that's just google so it ended up it ended up kind of being a mix between like Taoism Shinto a little bit it, mm. there was a mix of like kind of Tibetan Buddhism in there like the modern Tibetan Buddhism and I came to this kind of conclusion that these monks they're essentially searching for that balance between like order and chaos so they see the rest of the world as in chaos pretty much mm. right everyone is in chaos and they look at these other religious stories like they look at this um these other gods like these Norse style gods that I've got going on and they're in their sort of um, that's that Norse god sort of story is based on like a, a tragedy basically something bad happens and uh, one of the gods is killed etc and it, yeah. it puts them into disarray but prior to that the the um, even though they're all mighty and powerful and, and unkillable these gods these monks would see them as like basically like as infants right because they're they're in they're in perfect order they don't die they don't give life there's no danger to them so they're in that like perfect place of eden Mm. but then there's no growth from there and they see everyone else in the world all like the humans and other races that do die and do atrophy and have all this terrible stuff they're in chaos and then they're just trying to get bit closer to the order to find that bit in the middle so i was yeah. like so this is these are the sort of things i'm thinking about when i'm like okay what are the tenets of these culture what do these gods do and i like going back to the the human gods when i look at like the different gods i've come up with and what they represent so i've got like a god of justice um a god of death and i was like well how would this work if they were like these they had these sort of christian tenants but there were these multiple gods what would be like the pecking order how would that work when i was like well evidently the god of justice would be at the top because the people with the power the people with the justice the, the mm. laws they're the yeah. ones who run things so it makes most sense like god of life mm, a bit down on the lower lower, lower <laughs> the lower tier there unfortunately you know what i mean the, the more passive one which which makes sense you know um and so when because like like in norse mythology like um Frigg or Frida or whatever you know Freya they're not as good as Odin basically they don't have the the oomph that Odin has because he's more powerful he's you know he's he's more martial and so that's those are the sort of things and I I think that's the most interesting part about uh, religion in D&D is you have to look how does it shape the world Mm. and how does the fact that 
clerics See. exist with power. Like the thing is, like when I was thinking, okay, so the gods of justice will be the ones in charge, and I'm like, well, that makes sense because the the god of justice, Drax, he's going to be the one with the most paladins. Like he's the one with the actual holy army. Yeah, you know what I mean, the, so the it Avengers, makes sense yeah. that he's going to be the biggest one. What's interesting about I think the difference that we have between us, you, you very much, your world, and it, and it always has been this way. I think is is a much more realistic world. It's a lot. It's built in realism where mine is built in the fantastical, mm. um, and I think that just brings just shows the, the the different ways you can go again with with anything that you do in dnd i mean at the end of the day it's a game you can have it however you want it mm. and i'm i'm a big fan at the moment the way i'm the way i am at the moment i'm just love all the, the fantastical the fantasy and there are times when i want a more nitty-gritty sort of medieval kind of game and 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 I've, I've built games like that before but that's just not where i am at the moment um but it's where you are and it's interesting to see the, the the difference in the amount of thought that goes in because for the fantastical side i think it's very easy to just say well look we've got the pantheon we've got a lot of gods and there are lots of different peoples who who worship them in different places across the world and you may come across them at any point and they will treat you differently and it's easy to then just know how they'll react to people or their requests or what they'll ask for in return to then roll off of that and create story hooks and create uh you know session long adventures because of the interactions with this type of religion like i mean if you stumbled across um a a church in the middle of the woods right and you're in desperate need of, of of healing and it's a druid that worships some form of mother nature that specifically really likes trees mm. well, what's she going to ask in return for helping you maybe you've got to go and stop some people from cutting trees down because they're they're expanding the city they go straight there you've got a, a, an interesting plot hook or you come across a, a church in the forest and it's someone who worships an evil god who um without telling you is trying to bring them into the world so they tell you to go and get something for them or what you've unwittingly done there is create a new evil guy Mm. (laughs) so i think for the fantastical side it's quite easy to say well here are my gods listed on a page here's their area of influence on my world map and now i just need to know that if the players say to me we need to look for a cleric i need to go right well you're possibly going to come across this one and throw that one in the game and then see what happens because you already know everything whereas for you you're creating a fresh off pantheon Mm. you're not taking inspiration for some of the fantastical stuff that already exists in the game you've got a lot more to think about and i think well, that's where we differ. There's a you, worst thing with D and D. You kind of, if you're making like a your own world or whatever, right? Mm. You have to have some form of religion or gods because you you know for clerics to happen, yeah, yeah, right? yeah. If the player wants to be a cleric, they have to follow some that you know. Yeah, that, I mean that is the thing we haven't even touched on. Gods have to exist for those kind of reasons. Yeah, but you they can be as as varied as you like, and um, you can put in like. How how hard you want to integrate them and how much you want to worry about this aspect of the game um, is very much up to you. It can be... Obviously, there's a lot of pre-written material out there if you want to use it. And if you want to make your own, like, you don't have to go, like, as hard as we're yeah. going into and, it I right mean, now. The, the pre-written stuff, if you want to make your own, is a good place to start for ideas because... Um, I remember coming into it the very first time I wanted to look at gods and creating gods and thinking, I don't know where to begin because i'm looking at, at this list of so many and I'm like, how many is too many how many is not enough what, what kind of things should they be gods of do i need a god of 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 string no probably not but if you want it you fine know, because because yeah, in the real world that probably exists there is some there's some religion out there that will have something you know there are old religions that had gods for things that small so you really can go hard on it if you want to but you you don't need to. You could just pick a. You could have a pantheon of like five main gods, and that be that if you really wanted. You could. I mean, you could. It really can be as varied as you like. Look, like, I quite like. Um, you, like, if you want a bit of inspiration, just look at like real world cultures and how they they differ. Like, I, I, I've been kind of doing this more um, slowly, developing this um, culture in my D and D world, sort of based on more like Eastern philosophies. Mm. And so I was kind of looking into it a bit just to see what the unique part about it. And it's, it's very different from a lot of other religions and cultures and stuff like that. Like if you look at into like a lot of like Japanese culture and, and religion as I have, it's all based on like 
ancestors or at least like you know uh, feudal japan and ancient japan yeah it's all based on like ancestors and spirits it's like we've got to keep the spirits happy we've got to honor the ancestors and it changes how everyone lives their lives it's very 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 yeah. odd and that, the way they would ref like I'm, I'm i'm listening to a couple of books right now um set in like you know feudal japan and how people live their lives and every single one of their their cultures and traditions and everything is all based on ancestors and spirits and how and how do these things interact so it's very interesting so i think there is something about the way that that the japanese see death and the afterlife that I find really like the eastern world they see that in such a different way um, and I just want to say as well while you were saying that what I was thinking was firstly if you're hearing this and you're going I don't want to research feudal Japan like don't fine that's you don't have to make something up that's fine too but if you do want to get some inspiration it's quite fun though yeah, yeah it can be I mean you got to be I've, I've got to be in the mood for it if I'm going to sift through a load of stuff but Another thing to do, and it's and the more we talk about it, the more I realise it is just get inspiration from the things that you absorb daily. There's a film. <laughs> There's an animated film came out last year. It's called Coco, and it's um, have you seen it? No, no. Okay, so it's an animated film. I can't remember if it's like DreamWorks or Pixar or what, but it's it's, um, it's focused around the Day of the Dead and uh, how. Are they Mexican, aren't they? Mexican, State of the Dead. Yeah, I yeah. believe so, yeah. So they, um, he's a young boy and he's getting ready to celebrate the Day of the Dead with his family and all the rules of like, you have to light the candle at the altar with the photo and all that thing. And um, I, I can't remember the logistics, but he, he visits the land of the dead and there's this whole thing about how, and it's something that I latch onto quite a lot and I think it's a really interesting uh, philosophy that I sort of carry with me in my daily life anyway is that that thing of you know you die twice once when you're forgotten uh, when you die once when you've forgotten and um, and he sees someone when the last person forgets them or the last person on earth who knew them passes and it, there, it's this whole thing of how they they have to remember their ancestors to keep them living and that's a really interesting thing to take with you. Use that as inspiration but also you're watching an animated film and they're literally walking around a in D&D terms, another plane of existence. Mm. So take inspiration from that too. You don't have to sift through history books if that's not your thing. No. Well, like for instance, well, I was looking at the kind of these Eastern cultures. Also watch the film because it's very good <laughs> and it made me cry. <laughs> when I was looking at these Eastern cultures and how they do things like one, like little things you can pick, like you can really put as much effort into the gods and things like that as you want. But what you should do is just look at how bringing these into your world will affect things and how they will change things like for instance because like these this Japanese philosophy was very much based on the ancestors and the fact that the ancestors still know what's going on after they're dead mm. like so if you're from like the Hozoin family and your ancestors are up there and you're you know you're doing some <laughs> you're doing something naughty some less than brilliant stuff mm. you know they, they will be rolling in their graves you know thinking oh what's this you know Matahachi doing down here punk kid yeah like you know dishonouring bigotering my name exactly and so you think well how how would that affect things then well it's going to make people respect their elders Mm. so the whole culture is based on respecting people who are older and more experienced generally or what you should that's what you should that's what you should be doing yeah and so that changes everything because a lot of cultures are not really like that. That's generally like a given that you do that. I mean, but, yeah, it's, but not, it's, it's not. It's, it's not, not the emphasis. Yeah. No, no. Whereas here, it really is like an enforced thing where people really respect what the old people have to say, and uh, what the ancestors have to say. Like it was. It's interesting. Like, um, for instance, uh, like an interesting tidbit about culture and stuff like that in Vietnam during the uh, like the American Vietnam War, they would move people out of like villages and stuff like that you know when they're doing operations and things like that and the people would run back to the villages at night through minefields getting blown to pieces just so they could worship at their ancestors altar and the Americans like what the hell is going on here obviously they didn't why are you risking your life to do that part part of the reason they lost they didn't understand the culture Mm. but so that's that's the importance of it that's how important it is to some people and so that's something that you can bring into your world and make it a, a unique interesting point like for instance my um something i sort of stole from norse mythology in my more like um viking like culture if you will that the players are now entering now in this this new area that they're in is that 
it, a lot of it is based on sacrifice. They would they would often do human and like animal sacrifices, like the Vikings. Yeah. And you think, well, why would they do that if it's built into the culture? Because, and it's what's interesting is it's just as honourable and fair to sacrifice yourself to the gods as it is to die in battle. You're you're it's an equal ticket to Valhalla mm. either way. So because you're give either way you're giving yourself yeah, because to the gods. it's a pretty ballsy yeah. move to you know yeah. let some guy just come and slit your own throat and and bleed and bleed out for <laughs> the gods for the gods because if you it's in, basically it's based on the reason like people go to Valhalla is because Odin needs uh, strong warriors in his army for when Ragnarok comes yeah because those will be his his warriors that protect him and. Um, Midgard basically mm. and so it's like I'm sacrificing myself now because Odin needs me and I'm a strong warrior and I'm proving that by giving my life now so it's just as equally valid to go there now well, what does that do to society well it makes everyone quite fatalistic yeah. everyone is does not value life at all no. you know what I mean so what, what does that it's mean it's literally a stepping stone what, how, what does that mean what's the next natural evolution of that well everyone's warring all the time then no one values life. People, what does yeah. that mean then? Well, people probably, but in like I said, unlike these Christian values where it's there are, you know, don't steal from love like, your neighbor, my neighbor, and yeah, things like yeah, that. Yeah. Nor, uh, nor, Norse doesn't have that. What, what does it mean? Well, it means they go and raid people and they rape and pillage and everything because that's not that's not a, that's a good thing you're doing. Yeah. You're showing your your you're worth. showing your worth, and you might die where you're doing it, which will just take which take would be you to ideal because yeah. then you're getting a you know a one way ticket to Valhalla. Yeah. So you got to think. Well, this changes the whole culture once again based on the religion. The whole culture is com- is completely based around the religion and what people believe. So if you're stuck for ideas about well, how am I going to make this new region like interesting, or how am I gonna, am I going to differentiate my homebrew world from the next? We'll think. Well, what what's the religion? Because that will have a massive effect on everything, mm. and especially um, if you've got like clerics in the party and stuff like that. Really think about it and and talk to your um, your players. Like I just had a cleric in uh, the one shot I just ran that was in this world, yeah. And I had a big talk with him about what his the god he follows and what it means. And uh, like for instance, he was in the the human culture I'd spoken about a little bit um, with this god Drax, which is the, like god of law and justice. And I was like, well, in that case, you probably definitely served in the army then, because almost all clerics of, of Drax and Paladins have served at some point in the army. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And so that's going to shape his experience. And that, what does that mean? Well, most clerics of Draxin are probably quite militaristic. They're, they're, they're military people. They have those values. They're probably quite conservative. Yeah. Um, he was like lawful evil anyway. So that changed his kind of... Um, his character a little bit but it, it, it changed mi- his drives a bit didn't it? yeah it mix yeah. it mix very well and so like for instance i was thinking because I, I i was thinking about this and i was like well how how would that shape things in this culture and i'm like well the army is basically going to be a patron of two gods it's going to be the patron the god of death and the god of justice and law right right i'm like well this is interesting then because they're kind of juxtaposed positions well, what does that what does that do to the troops well, it makes them quite fatalistic and quite brave because the god of death is there. And if there are death clerics there, they can res them yeah. if they deem fit. I, f- I found an interesting part is that the death clerics only res people who they feel need to come back or are deserving, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is interesting because the god of death generally wants people to, to die and be reborn again. Mm. But people can only be reborn when they're, you know, they've kind of ascended enough, if you will. So if you don't perform well, he'll he'll raise you again, so you get to get killed again, basically, mm. which is kind of interesting. Um, so th- there's so much that the religion shapes the world around you, if you want it to. And it's, it's very, like I say, it's very much, you don't have to worry about this too much, but if you want to sort of get the creative juices flowing, yeah. this is a good avenue of approach. And I'd say don't forget as well that a cult or, or a... Or a group that follows a being that isn't necessarily a god, it's a kind of an offshoot of this thinking. If you've got, a, if you want a cult that's gonna, like, be changing the landscape around you, and it's gonna be like a big draw for the party to go and, and sort of sort this cult out, then think about who they worship, why they worship them, what they want, and what the cult would do for them. Because it's the same kind of thing, it's just mm. a slightly different scale. Um, interesting thought. Then we were talking about religion, and we were talking about God specifically at the start. What about patrons for warlocks I was about to say this I think it's quite similar it is isn't um, it? because I mean 
because if you if you think of it this like way, like a devout warlock of a of a patron would probably regard the patron as a god anyway. Well, yeah, and I mean clerics they follow a religion and a god and they draw their powers from the god. A warlock submits himself to a patron's bidding and takes the powers from them. So it's the same thing. It's just what's well, interesting. The difference is like the. A patron would normally have much more direct interaction with yeah. with the warlock, which is, in a way, strength strengthens things even more because, even like a cleric, even though he's getting powers and the evidence is there, he knows the god is real. There's no doubt about it. There is, or at least he knows there is some sort of divine power. Yeah, even he, if he hasn't had like a full on conversation. He, or sometimes he might doubt his understanding of the god and what he calls it and the tenants and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. my paladin Galahad is always having arguments with the gods because terrible things keep happening to him he's like why are you torturing me but and they're like we're not doing anything he can't deny that they don't exist yeah because he can smite people and heal people like he but he can still struggle with his faith that what the other people around him believe about these gods and things like that is true he thinks the gods are a bunch of assholes for Mm. the most part right Mm. so his faith is always tested but with a, a warlock they don't even need to worry about that because the patron is literally directly talking to them and giving them missions. They know exactly what their patron is about, you know, for the least, most part. They have yeah, a much better idea. Better idea. And the- because I feel like patrons can be very... It's kind of that thing again where they can they can get you to do something, but you don't know why you're doing it. Mm. Like the whole wax on, wax off thing. Like why am I why am I why am I waxing your car mm. when I should be learning? Because I find like the the patrons are much Karate. much more like. It suits, I think, much more for patrons to give, like, visions and dreams yeah. and stuff like that, as opposed to, like, or more so than, than gods, which I like more the sparingly. idea as well that a patron can be anyone. Like, I've, I kind of like the idea that you could be playing as a warlock for, you know, ten levels and then only at the end find out that your patron is actually, like, a really, really evil, famous lich mm. <laughs> that's been doing problems to the world the whole time. Like, there's more... I think there's more leeway there i don't think they have to be power like powers in the world they'd have to be gods but there is there is definitely a, a, a resemblance there mm. um, well, it's like a different step isn't it it's like, worth you, thinking about but like you've got big powerful creatures and stuff like that then you've got like the warlock patrons then you've, I, then you've got like quote-unquote gods yeah. you know it's like different levels of control and power yeah. but it's all like, similar like if, stuff if for me in my world like a patron would be trying to become a god Mm. And so that's why they've begun. Like maybe, maybe a god starts off as a patron mm. as they begin to amass a following. Um, quick question: clerics, paladins, warlocks. Do you see their power as a constant siphon and a constant communication with the god, or do you see it as the god going, "Right, here you go. Here's some power." Sorry, <laughs> just hit the computer screen. Here's some power. Have that. Come back to me when you need more, and then the connection severed. It depends which religion you're talking about. Like I said, I've got so far. I counted them the other day. I think I've got about forty different gods in my world. Okay, and that's quite a lot. The, depending, like uh, they're they're obviously in, and they come into about five or six different religions, basically, mm-hmm. of varying degrees of fleshed out. So it depends. Because um, I've I've always thought of it as rather than a constant like connection between the two, the, the cleric. The, the god has said to the cleric, right, you are my agent on the mortal plane. Here are some abilities that will help you in your missions. And then the cleric has that, and that's theirs. And they go back at some point and go, right, look, I'm sorry, I need your help. I need more than what you've given me. Well, I find it this way. like Warlocks are much more like the direct communication, right? Mm-hmm. The patron is telling them what to do or what they'd like them to do, and they have the power. I think the warlock still has the... Um, anonymity to do with the power what he likes right yeah. um if he, he if he goes and turns around and you know eldritch blasts the poor little puppy the the wall the patron doesn't can't really stop him right because no. he's given him the power yeah okay um and but he he's in much more direct communication with the patron at all times as to what's going on what to do like i said with the other ones where it's still a bit more faith-based even though you know they're real it's up to you to um to to figure it out on your own, I think. Because otherwise, like, for instance, if you're, like, a god of, of life or whatever, right, in your party, and then your your party TPKs and you're the only survivor, it would be difficult for you to justify it still being a cleric of that god if you're in constant communication with them all the time and you'd be like, well, what the hell, bro? Why didn't you 
divine intervention yeah. s- save my friends. Yeah. But if it's more faith-based and it's like, ah, oh, no, this is actually... This part of the this is, this is a test. Yeah. You. This is part of your growth. How are you going to handle this now? Because I feel like... Because I... Warlocks are like... Gone. Warlocks are more like direct teachers. You're going to do this, you're going to do this, you're going to do that. Oh, this yeah. is what I want. This is a, a partnership. Whereas I think the clerical gods are more like... Um, they're like the kind of aloof sensei in a way. They're like, yeah. you know, follow the path. Everything's a test. I give you this power, but it's like you get level six spells now, but this is actually just another test yeah. of your faith. I'm yeah. always testing like, your I faith. I feel like for paladins and clerics, the gods aren't always there. They're not always, they, you know, they've got other things to do. And so they they say like, okay, here's these abilities. You know what you're doing. Spread my message. And then they leave them to it until they come back to them and go, what, what have you done? Why have you done this? You've, 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 you've failed. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, like with paladins, like for instance, if you're like a, a devotion paladin and you have your oaths, those are your like key tenants that you've got from the yeah. god. Like those would be like the Ten the, Commandments, the commandments if yeah. in a way. And you're following them and perhaps all your party dies and it and you, you fail. Yes, like, like Galahad, the little immature sort of um, kind of self-centred I suppose Paladin is going to go oh you know oh I hate the gods this is just them screwing with me again Mm -hmm. you know even like he knows they're not all powerful omnipotent but he he likes to he likes to say they are because it it makes it gives gives, gives him someone to blame basically I like the idea that Galahad doesn't understand the powers at all like he doesn't understand the gods I think deep down he does know that things are more down to him but he wants to buck that responsibility yeah. as much as he can he so, want to so if it. he can say oh well this is the god's fault again just letting us down then he'll be happy to do that And but for the most part like that paladin has got to take the powers that are given to him take those oaths and then it's a test of his own faith to see what he does with them is he on the right path he'll know if he's on the wrong path because he'll lose his his powers you know Mm. like if he falls off the path and it's the same with clerics like they'll know if they're on the right path if they're doing the correct things like if they and this is what you can do as a DM if you want to test your players if they say like um, they do a divination spell and they ask heaven some questions that and they don't get any responses that's like you saying "Mm, you did some bad stuff cleric yeah, you bet. You better get back on the path. Yeah, see, it's interesting you bring that up because I had during a Curse of Stroud game, I had a cleric who he was a good aligned cleric, um, and his goal was obviously to destroy Stroud, and it was built into you know it's a backstory thing. But he um, he decided the best way to do it would be to put himself on Stroud's level and submit himself to the dark powers and become a vampire himself. And he did that, and then his god turned his back on him, and he was like, well, what? Where are all my cleric powers? And I was like, well, mate, you've just given yourself to evil, like pure evil. So he then had to go through the process of of committing himself to a new god and finding someone that could align with him and his new goals in in the way that he changed. So it's it's interesting, because I don't feel like patrons for warlocks... Hmm. because there's that connection because they're doing what they're told they don't really turn their back on them but with clerics it's kind of that thing and I always feel like you're 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 looked as a bit of an of an arsehole DM if you do it but if you're a good cleric with Hmm. a good god and you're no longer good why would your good god be Hmm. giving you the powers well it's interesting as well because in that case you're taking the the pre-assumption that the god knows best right Hmm. like the the god is telling you this is the correct path you've stepped off of it and, well, I, I, and I, I'm punishing you for it but it's interesting because then you could have another god that thinks differently like yeah. for instance like that's the 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 kind of the same as like um, sort of you know uh, the the Christian god or you know Jesus or whatever going oh no look you stepped off the path there you did literally become Satan so <laughs> like you've you've you're, you're, you're literally like, the opposite and that's of me. That, that is Christianity and it? it's like yeah. you do the wrong things you go to hell for eternal damnation. Yeah. Like, there's a very black and white, this is the correct path, this is the not-so-correct path. Whereas if you take a slightly different religion, not that I, I claim to be an expert or such or anything, but, like, Taoism or something like that, where there's more of a balance, and it's more about finding the path. And, like, rebalancing. Like, if you do something wrong, it's fine, you can make up for it by balancing it back out. Well, yeah, and there's yeah. Like, but there's, like, a path. It's like, Taoism is about, you know, sort of finding enlightenment and... Uh, disconnection of earthly tethers and stuff like that but that is a journey it's kind of accepted that that is a journey right yeah. for instance um, 
people evolve or change. Yeah, I mean, you could become a, a, a Buddhist da- monk or a Taoist monk at like age 70. You've done mm. terrible things your whole life, but it's not too late because you're finding the path and you're on it. So, for instance, in that case, if that was more of like a Taoist type god or a Buddhist god, um, he might not necessarily lose his powers. His powers might change a little bit when he becomes a vampire, but this is just another step on that journey yeah, on that to, journey. Beca- to yeah. finding the, the middle ground so it, it depends and again this is all about like figuring out what your gods mean and how you want them to work yeah what do you like you know what how here's, do they work here's my final note and uh, this is how I see it the gods are in fact sponsors so the god as your sponsor gives you the cleric its power and says there you go represent me as soon as you don't represent them, or they, or you do something that they disagree with, they're not sponsoring you anymore, mate. You gotta go find a new sponsor. Mm. Speaking of sponsors, thank you too. And that could be you. And <laughs> that, that could been be you. So good, wouldn't it? If you want to be in that little spot there, you uh, know how to contact we us. We speak common at hotmail.com. That could have been you. Or .co.uk. Your message. I can't remember. <laughs> no, dot com. Dot com. Dot com. Yep. Dot com. Are you sure? Yep. Okay. That your message could have been going out to all four four listeners of the show. Actually, do you, do you want do you want do you want the real truth? <laughs> Just in case there are any actual sponsors listening, uh, your message right there, so seamlessly transcended into our uh, episode, could have gone out to five hundred and fifty three total listeners. Well, there you go. That's a lot of people, mate. We could have turned your brand around. We will definitely take pictures or do anything you want us to do with your brand. Uh, anything. Anything at all. <laughs> we will absolutely sell out. We've, just, a, we've sold out already. It's just a, the same. It's a D&D show, but Pathfinder, if you want to sponsor us, mate, we, our allegiances <laughs> Could you are imagine not that? Next week, it's like, it's like, hi, yeah, so welcome to the, the now Pathfinder uh, <laughs> podcast. <laughs> oh, we, we're, not, we're not that low, but... Yet. But you could try a new something new, <laughs> like Pathfinder three point five edition. Anyway, enough of the um, the joking. We went quite deep there. We did. We went really quite deep. Stay in church, kids. I mean, if I walk into a church, I burst into flames. So mm, that's what you get. I worship at my altar at home. It's okay. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Joe. No worries. Thanks for listening to us today. If you like the podcast, then do us a favour. Give us a review or a like on iTunes and Anchor. And share us with your friends. You can find us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at WeSpeakCommon. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is licensed under an attribution license CC by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive. <laughs>